Comptroller Hager, uh, Glenn, uh, really honored to have you uh, on the podcast uh, on State House. Um, we've known each other a long time, uh, and uh, you sit in an incredibly important position for the state. And actually, this comes at a, I think, probably the most opportune time, which is what's going on at the at the Capitol and how you're having to to deal with the budget. Um, I did read some articles recently on your most recent budget projections. Um, and I think, you know, we, you operate off of about a $321 billion budget, which is enormous. Just a small one. Just, just a little budget. Yeah. <laughs> that number is just unfathomable. And I think I read that um, right now you're showing about an $18 billion surplus, which is a little bit of a misnomer in the sense that that's a sort of a snapshot, right? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it, it's interesting. Uh, the job I got, I mean, I love it. Great opportunity for me to, to serve as the CFO, the controller of the state, collect the monies for the state of Texas, pay the bills, have a snapshot of looking over, you know, the 12 economic regions. It's just hard to imagine today. It's the eighth largest economy in the entire world. And when I got in this job uh, nine years ago, we were number 12. And just think about that, Frank, in the last literally Less than a decade, we've moved from number 12 to 11 to 10, 9, and now eighth largest economy in the entire world. And every morning, there's another thousand people that call Texas home every day. People want to move here from somewhere around, not just the other 49 states, but literally from around the world. And so, you know, it's a great it's a great economic story. Uh, people continue to move here for that economic opportunity is for themselves and future generations. But you know, when I gave a new revenue estimate to the legislature, just kind of a frame real quick, you, you know this. Um, some of the listeners do, but I need I have to tell the legislature how much money they have when they come into a legislative session. And then when they come in a special session, which the governor just called them back into a special session on a variety of issues. So we we gave them an update and essentially the economy is continued to outperform our expectations. And so in the end of this two year budget, Texas does a little bit different than most states. And we always, you know, pride of, of, of doing things a little different that instead of doing a one year budget, we do a two year budget. And so at two years from now, using very conservative economic assumptions and and the reason because there's a lot of uncertainty in the economy there's a lot of things going on that that, that yeah, i want, you know, I want you to talk about that too the uncertainty mm -hmm. and exactly and, and and so we're still using conservative estimates but the point being is in two years from now we we expect that we'll have a cash carryover balance under the current budget depending on what they do in this special session with public education but but the short is we'd have about 18 billion dollars left over from this budget to the next 18 billion. I mean, that that's an enormous amount of money, that's especially insane. when you compare it to other states, they're not in that type of situation or take California. You know, I mean, you wouldn't be taxing if you didn't bring up California. Um, and, and, and so bringing up California, I mean, they're a $25 billion deficit. They're almost the opposite direction. So yeah, it's, it, it's great to be in this position. I mean, I'll wake up, I thank God I get to call Texas home and I get to do my job here versus some other state. Well, you, you've done such a great job. And, and I think that um, I think the reason that California is in a $25 billion deficit is because we've sort of taken a lot of their, uh, some of our $18 billion surplus comes from all those people coming from California, including uh, Musk and a lot of other people in, into Texas. How many uh, co corporations are kind of moving to the state, you know, on a regular basis? What does that look like? Yeah, I mean, it's really amazing if you um, take into account the number of corporate relocations, uh, large capital projects that, that are occurring in Texas. And if you look at just uh, in, in 2021, for example, 
I mean, we had 63 corporate relocations and those are major corporations. Um, you know, one of the things that I wish we had a way to quantify this because the vast majority of the jobs that are created in the economy, the vast majority of new cutting edge technology or creativity is really small businesses, but it's hard to quantify them because that, that doesn't catch a big headline. Hey, you know, Frank Santos opened a new business today. Well, that because that, that, a lot of businesses don't make it after the first nine months, but it's the ones that do. They're really that creativity. And so, you know, my point being is I say that sometimes to make the point. While having corporate relocations, having very large capital intensive projects, things that are worth a lot of money, putting them on the ground are, are, are really easy to quantify. And we see those, um, you know, and so it's not just like the corporate relocations, but the large capital projects. Texas uh, has been recognized as kind of the number one place in, in, the, in the nation, really, year after year after year for uh, big capital projects on the ground, which creates a lot of jobs temporarily for construction and then long term. And so, you know, just uh, like in, in, in uh, the last year, we had over a thousand large capital projects. I mean, a thousand and twenty eight. The year before was eleven hundred and twenty three. The year before that was seven hundred and twenty eight, uh, twenty eighty one. But if you take this just last year, twenty twenty two, that thousand and twenty eight, to put that in perspective, You'd have to take the number two state and the number three state, add them together, and they still didn't equal the number of large projects built in Texas. So, I mean, it's just and – that, and that's one reason, you know, uh, we, we got to continue to focus on building roads, infrastructure, water infrastructure, broadband capacity, which is, you know, the, the ability of us to communicate with listeners right now. Um, and, and, and 7 million people don't have that connectivity across the state, which to put that in perspective is – That's a big number. It's a big number out of 30 million people. They don't have it at their house um, because it doesn't exist. And so we're working to try to expand that opportunity. And my point being is, as we grow, that's a blessing for economic opportunity. But it also means we got to keep up with the basic levels of service that you and I as taxpayers and residents expect, which are roads, law enforcement, water infrastructure, broadband. And, th and those things aren't the, the glamorous headlines. You know, they don't they don't they don't catch people's emotion. But it's kind of the basic things that people expect government to do. And that's the reason they pay taxes. They don't like it, but they expect those things to be done. Yeah. You know, um, going back to the um, all the all the all the corporate relocations, I was just thinking, um, have you all ever looked at the m measure of how many uh, to your small business uh, point? You know, it seems like everybody sees uh, these large corporations doing relocations, Tesla, Apple, all this stuff. And um, I think it kind of just kind of goes by them like, oh, yeah, well, that's just another big company. But I don't know that they realize that every time you get a big relocation, it spawns a number of small companies. Have you all ever looked at how what that looks like? How many companies yeah, it can spawn? It, you know, we've, we've done different studies in, in different things. Like, say, for example, uh, right now, I'm, I'm doing a tour around the state, just, you know, like six, eight spots on on energy, because obviously there's electronics of everything and, and we have more electric capacity. And then I've done them on manufacturing, international trade, broadband, water infrastructure, point being things that are important to Texas. And so my point in saying that when we do like a specific industry sector, we'll not just look at and quantify what are the what are the jobs in that industry, but also what are the indirect jobs, the jobs that are down at, at the convenience store or the local the local grocery store or even down at the restaurant. And, and, and I say that to come back to 
you can kind of put some parameters around. There's a little estimating that goes in, but say, for example, you, you mentioned Tesla or say Samsung that's, that's being built, the new facility outside of Austin, which is you know, just a mass, massive billions and billions and billions of dollars that's being invested. I mean, that's just two examples. Okay. But the point is all the construction that's going on while that is occurring, all the things that have to be utilized around. And so that local coffee shop that's down the street, I mean, they, they may have done X business the year before, but now they got to line out the door. They go international, so, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, they, they got to, they got to expand and open another one. And, you know, those are real good opportunities for local communities. As long as you make prudent decisions on, okay, while this is occurring, what do we do with this investment? And, and, and that's one thing that I try to keep looking at, at least talking to the legislature and the public for my job. I'm not just looking at what's trying to happen today, but let's look out five, 10 and 15 years. You know, as I'm raising the seventh generation of Hagers, I want them to have that opportunity in 10 and 15 and 20 years when they're sitting in our seats or whatever they may be doing in their occupations and jobs. Yeah. And I think that goes to the, you know, some of the caution that you've you've uh, asked for um, on some of the interviews I've seen you do that that cautions the legislature just don't spend don't spend all the surplus you know it's not like it's don't spend it to the end because we this is just a conservative estimate well and 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 the point being in that is that Texas and this is a hard number to imagine Frank that we export over twenty percent of the value of product out of the United States comes out of this state and we're only nine percent of the na- national economy. And so my point is we export an inordinate amount of things. We're very tied to the global economy. That's that's the point that I make. And and so being tied to the global economy, what happens in other countries can either have a push effect on our economy or a drag effect. So when there are downturns in the global economy or the national economy, you know, Texas has outperformed the U.S. nation economically year after year after year. But the point is, is if you have, say, for example, we see a lot about obviously higher interest rates and that impacts the, the ability of people to buy a different home. Um, they may they may want to move up or move down in size, but they're not going to move up or move down because at seven to eight percent interest rate. I mean, that that almost doubles their, that doubles their mortgage cost compared to what it was before. And so now that mobility and that means that you, you, you're kind of locking in the economy because of the forces that are happening in the global yeah. economy right now. And, and, and so I say that because I just think it's 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 important to be cautious. And if we have more on the back end, then we can make prudent decisions. But it's hard when you overspend to reel that back in. And so I just con- continually remind that cautionary approach. You don't know when the next recession is going to come. It will happen globally. I mean, it, it's a fact. We just don't know the day and we don't know the reason. And we won't be immune from it. That's the point that I try to make. And I don't know if you've noticed, we've had a whole lot of once in a lifetimes here in the last few years. Oh, my gosh. I mean, COVID, winter storm, Uri. Who would have seen a polar vortex hit the entire state of Texas where people lost power? I mean, it was devastating. But that that literally was almost like a once in a lifetime event. We we get hit with a vortex like that polar, but it's across part of the state. It's not the whole state. Not I the mean, whole oh my state, God, and you're not locked in for a week, <laughs> right? All the way to the valley. And so, you know, my point is, we've seen a lot of these once in a lifetime. And so, I've, I, I guess what I've learned in the last few years, and got a lot more gray hair. Not that you know, listeners can see. But the point is, I've realized you don't know what's around the corner. So let's just let, let let's just be cautious in our spending and have a little bit on the back end 
because then when it does downturn, we have options to continue to do those basic elements of service. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's an incredibly smart way to look at it. And and uh, obviously, that's why you are the CFO for the state. And uh, and I, are you seeing, um, you know, to the interest rates and to sort of the things that are going on in the economy right now with inflation and, and what's happening? I, I, I know a lot of people that are trying to get into homes and they're really trying to balance whether they should just stay renting or they should actually go ahead and take the dive. And um, if you look at it right now, which I have recently, um, you know, renting a home um, of the same size that you'd like to buy is about one third the amount of cost that it would be. It means flipped. So I guess my question is, um, are we seeing that there are fewer people that are actually getting into homes, which would be, you know, less taxes brought into the state, which is obviously you wouldn't see for some time, but it's but it could be coming. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you literally, uh, you know, there's also other issues that are that are still happening because of, you know, kind of a, a spinoff still of COVID with um, supply chain issues. So builders trying to build new homes aren't able to one because of higher interest rates, get the financing that they need to build the new construction. I've so there's not that, the yeah. supply. So there's not the supply out there for you and I to go buy. So, you know, that that tightens the market. And then if they're not able to get certain types of materials to finish projects, so projects are taking longer. So there's kind of a domino effect of all these things, but what you're also seeing is again, if if the basic person uh, taxpayer, you and I try to go buy something and it costs more than it prices us out. And so that economic turnover of the dollar is, is not happening as much. And one of the things that I caution the legislature that I don't I, I don't think it's as much of an issue here. It's a little bit of an issue, but it's more so on the east or west coast is, is you have, say, for example, commercial real estate where those are not 15 and 30 year mortgages. Those loans are more much more shorter term and they roll over and then they get refinanced at a different rate. And so you have a pretty significant number of those that are happening every single year. And so therefore, what you'll end up seeing is years ago, people borrow, built something. The value of those those projects were higher. Now they're lower because the economy slowed down. People are not spending as much money as they had before they've spent their savings. And so you, you see a weakening in the economy right now. And it also means, obviously, in, in the housing market compared to where it was. But in some, you know, in some markets, values have still gone up because there's still a high demand. And then others, it's kind of flattened out. And then other parts of the country, some of the areas, it's actually gone backwards. Uh, luckily, we haven't had that in Texas. But again, kind of depends on how long this lasts and what happens globally. We, we could see that, which is, again, why I always just urge a little bit of caution. Caution, right. You know, I don't know if you take this into consideration or not, but I know that a lot of uh, – uh, in the investment world, um, people trying to start up new businesses, uh, people coming, you know, all kinds of, of of startup ideas that are that, which is what makes Texas Texas. You know, there is entrepreneurial. I, I I know that there is a lot of difficulty. Nobody wants to go to the banks and get their money, and so you have a bunch of private um, investors. Has that changed the dynamic in any way for the state? It, it, that that you one or the other. Yeah, I think we're really where it kind of changes the dynamics, a couple of factors. One, what is the read of the economy going forward? You know, in other words, is there the amount of dollars and in investment that is occurring in certain projects that may not occur otherwise because people can't get that financing? And then number two, the state of Texas, whether it's in my office 
whether it could be our employee retirement system, our teacher retirement, you know, they, they manage those pensions for those ultimately the current workers to the retirees. And so there's investments that, that we make as well is my point and, and, and work with outside entities for a variety of different types of investment. And if you're not having the opportunities you did before, then you may not make the same rate of return you did before. And therefore that could actually impact pensioners, not today. I mean, they're still going to get their pensions, but in the long-term outlook, as in 30, 40 years, the newbie that's in the system, is it as actually sound in the long duration? So, you know, it may not be today, but it's something that if that continues for many years, then, okay, now we have an issue we got to address. If, you know, the economy kind of rebounds, picks back up, then it's not so much. So, you know, that's, I know that's way too in the weeds for listeners and like, oh my gosh, he lost me several times there. Um, but, but it's the stuff that we <laughs> no, got to deal surprised. with. <laughs> <laughs> I'm listening because I'm closer to being a pensioner than you are. And so I'm listening very closely. <laughs> I understand. understand. Valid point. Valid point. <laughs> kind of back to the, uh, the surplus. Um, as I was looking through things and, and, and of course I, uh, this is maybe a simplistic question, but, um, November, we're going to have a bunch, some constitutional amendments, um, and yeah. they're probably, I, I might be wrong about this, but it looks like it's a couple of billion, two or three billion that could be wrapped into those, if not more. Billions, billions. billions. Let's, let's, let's add, let's add uh, a few, another, another z- zero to some of that. I mean, we've got uh, $17 billion in constitutional amendments for one there's three billion alone going into a fund for trying to attempt to have more what we call tier one university systems in the state of Texas, um, some dollars that they can leverage for research, bringing down federal money. Uh, that that essentially that fund is there to help specifically, say for example, Texas Tech, University of Houston, the Texas State System. Uh, you know, over the years, A and M and University of Texas systems have had a fund that they brought money in over oil and gas revenues over the years. And so they have a large fund that they can leverage. The other ones do not. And so this is to try to bring them up a little bit higher and give them more leverage to be able to uh, do better things in their communities. And as, wow. as tier one, and also there's, there's a billion dollars for trying to invest in our park systems, upgrade our park systems and, and, and more park systems uh, here in the state of Texas, which I think the outdoors is, is a really critical uh, part of the state of Texas and something that 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 we value. There's 1.5 billion that is additional state dollars to help me and my team as we're trying to expand that broadband coverage, as, as you and I talked about just a little bit before. Uh, there's a lot of federal money coming, but I know this would be shocking for anyone to hear that sometimes federal money comes with a bunch of strings and the strings don't actually work for Texas. So I've told the, I know it's so shocking. It's I just shocking. had to, it's like the first time ever this has ever happened. So uh, I, I told the legislature, if you can give me, a, give me some dollars that gives me more flexibility and then also, so we can leverage those dollars. And, and so there's several different constitutional amendments that are making there's one on water infrastructure. Water infrastructure. I was just going to, yeah, that's right. An, an additional billion dollars for water infrastructure because we're growing. Again, a thousand people a day, those corporate relocations we talked about, those big projects that are occurring here, manufacturing, refinery capacity that's being built. And so all of these things are trying to look ahead. And, you know, what's fascinating to me is normally the legislature can work on one, maybe two, 
every session, every two years, they get to work on one of these things. Some years we don't at all because there's just there's no additional money. There's no extra money. The economy's taking a downturn, you know, globally. But because of the position we've been in with the economy significantly outperforming, also, unfortunately, you may recall inflation rate. In, uh, inflation was at 40 year high. So things still cost more. I mean, they're never going to go back down. So, you know, a road construction project costs more than it did a year ago. So therefore trying to keep up and build the same amount of stuff. So the legislature dealt with a whole lot of these infrastructure things, which I think was really critical to keep the Texas economy going. So there's 14 constitutional amendments on, on infrastructure. And then there's also one that deals with property tax reduction. Even though I don't collect property taxes, that's against the Constitution. You uh, still the have to consider it. I, we still have to consider it because obviously that's the one issue that is impacting people more than anything on pricing them out. And the legislature did another reduction of our school property taxes. And the reason for that, which essentially it means the state's going to put in more money as state taxpayers and lower the local property tax side. So that's another one of the constitutional amendments that's on the ballot and is billions of dollars. So all of these, I think, deserve a really good look from all the, uh, the, the voters in the state of Texas. And I think it's important that the legislature worked on all these issues while they had additional resources to try to keep the state moving forward. So even even if um, so, you've these those issues, that 17 billion in these constitutional amendments, you've already considered that as part of uh, that, the- that, is, that, is, that is correct. And so that, that's a really good question. So when we talked about raising our cash carryover balance up to that 18 billion uh, that is projected as of right now, that's taken into account, assuming the voters will approve all of these constitutional amendments. Also, the legislature added more money into public education in the current budget but it's not in effect right now because they didn't pass legislation for a variety of reasons in the regular session. I expect that they will. And so we're assuming that money is going to be spent as well and, and infused into the public education system. So we're assuming all of those. And on top of that, we have what's called an economic stabilization fund, that rainy day fund. It's our state savings account. Okay. And it's a higher threshold. The legislature just can't with a majority vote, go tap some of those dollars. They got to have a super majority in the house and the Senate. And, 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 and that fund has about $13 billion in it now. We expect that it's going to raise to about $17 billion here in the next couple of months as I transfer some oil and gas severance taxes in there, which is how it gets money. And then if a little bit of this leftover money we're going to put in there. So the point is we're in a better shape as a state right now than we have been. And while we're spending money on important things for the state, again, something you stressed earlier, it's always good to have a little bit saved aside, just like you and I do, hopefully in our own households. We try to have a little savings because you never know when there's going to be a car that breaks down or yeah. there's going to be an issue that we got to fix at the house. Health issue, whatever. The machine goes out, health issue. So, you know, you need to have a rainy day opportunity to make sure that there's not a bigger crisis down the road. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, so this you, you alluded to it, um, that the, we've had pretty a pretty volatile legislative sessions. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, but really the, the point um is that what we're looking at now is we're looking at a school voucher or uh, education savings account um, bill that's uh, probably going to pass, you know, this session. And I, th- I believe the governor just put out a word that he wants to take up um, teacher pay raise um, after that. So there's another, you know, chunk there. I don't know what that looks like. And then also, I think he uh, also put on the call immigration um, issues, which I- I'm a- 
I'm assuming that's border security and some things like that. But those are, those are new issues, I would assume. You kind of have an idea of what that's going to look like. But but those are going to be new issues that if those pass, then you've got to kind of rejigger the the numbers again, right? Yeah, that's right. So essentially that projected cash carryover balance could could essentially go down. Um, but then they have a certain amount of money. You know, thankfully here in Texas, we have what's called a constitutional spending limit, which essentially means the budget of today can only grow by so much in two years when they come back in 2025 or the budget they passed earlier this year compared to the one in 2021. So, you know, essentially we're not a deficit spending state. We can't borrow. We can't go in debt. We may have debt to build some roads or, but it's very, it's very small amount is the point. And, and, and so we can't financially get in trouble. We have to kind of almost pay as you go. And so my point in saying that is it's not just the amount of money that Glenn says we think you will have, but layered on top of that is a spending limit. And so when you have this amount of money, that is that is left over, which is really kind of a once in a lifetime. I mean, we're we're not going to have this every two years, Frank. I mean, we're just not, and and that's the reason I you know mentioned the caution saving in the future because eventually it it, it it's not going to perform at this level, and so therefore the point being is now they have constitutional spending limit as well, and so they only have so much money they can spend on those issues. But yes, that eighteen billion would go down depending on border security, depending on teacher pay raise, depending on public education, what they do this session. Yeah, that's it's amazing. Um, I'll tell you, you know, and, I, and my last question is 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 kind of related to all of that. And it's just really just a, um, a general question is, how do you see all of these issues um, that are affecting the budget, which are, actually, you know, which are policy issues too on th- that affect the budget. How do you see that affecting this next election cycle coming up? I mean, we got a got a big one. I mean, that's a really good question. I mean, we have a very large, uh, obviously a presidential race coming up in, in just a little over a year now. Um, we're, we're not sure obviously who, who the both nominees will be. Um, there, there's a lot of political issues out there nationally and statewide so I think, you know, every election cycle is different, just the same as you and I know every single legislative position is different. Yes, they come back second second Tuesday of January. They're there 140 days. We know that's set. The Constitution says it, has said it for a while. But whatever the issue is and the personalities that are in the building, it's always a little different. Um, and, you know, it's it's kind of like a family reunion. Um, you, you know, you know who's going to kind of be there and, you know, OK, this is kind of what we do. You know, we have the same food or play a game or whatever, but you never know if the ant's going to go crazy this year or not. Um, you just you just never know what you're going to get. Right. That's you exactly think, right. You got, you, got, you got the basic parameters, but you never know if Aunt Susie's going to go cray cray this year yeah, or not. Yeah. It would be Aunt Betty or Uncle Joey. I mean, you just don't know. Um, and somebody so say, does, but we don't know who. It's usually somebody. We don't know who. Uh, does somebody's little kid throw a temper tantrum? I mean, oh, my God. My kids never did. Okay, let's be clear. Jokingly saying that. But anyway, <laughs> I do think there's a little more uncertainty for the next election cycle than before. Now, it's a ways out. There's still things to be settled. But but it it's interesting to me as someone you and I have known each other for a long time, both been around this process for a while. Um, I do think this one is a has a couple of other question marks to it that that I just don't know how to pin those down yet, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. I I, I used to be able to handicap uh, races and <laughs> elections, and I, I gave that up <laughs> a while back. So um, let me just say uh, how much I appreciate 
you uh, being on the podcast today. This has been yeah, fantastic. It's, it's been, our it's listeners been and fun. our viewers. It's been, it's been great to be on. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. It's been a while since we've had an opportunity to, to visit like this. So it's been fun. I've enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, on. well, I sure hope uh, you bet. And I sure hope we can have you back again. You know, maybe there's some, um, you know, maybe some of these uh, visits that you're taking out in the state, you know, we can bring our mobile uh, podcast unit out there. And, and uh, if you're somebody you want us to talk to and sort of, uh, bring that to the forefront and, and get some exposure for some of these folks and some of the things going on. We'd love to do that as well. That'd be great. That'd be great. All right. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. I for sure appreciate your time. Likewise. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Statehouse. You can find this podcast anywhere you find your podcast today. If you like our program and you want to see more, please subscribe, like it, share it with others. If you've got a comment, leave us a comment. Anything that makes us better, we appreciate. And we really appreciate, if you like it, to give us a five-star review. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.